Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, we want to welcome everybody that is joining us from everywhere. For all of our friends out there in YouTube land, Facebook Live, Believers.cc, want to welcome you guys. I want to also welcome our friends at TCI. Guys, we're just so honored that you would enable us to come into your, your space and hang out with you. And we just want you to know you're not a project to us. You're a part of the BC family and you belong. And uh, of course, want to welcome everybody here in Warren. And I want to say a special welcome to all of my family at BC Boardman. Miss you guys this weekend, but I'm glad I get to hang with you this way. And uh, one more time, just all, all over the place on the chat lines, in the comments, but of course here in BC Warren, can we give it up for everybody that's joining us and just welcome them. You guys, you must extra love Jesus because you're here on a snowy weekend during a pandemic. I'm almost positive you get more jewels on your crown in heaven for that. I don't know if that's biblical, but that's just New International Joe version. Okay, so we're excited that you're here. Pastor Joe, he's getting ready to go on a trip. And so I've known for a few weeks now that I'm gonna be delivering this message. I'm really excited about it. But before we go any further, I just wanna tell you about the next series. And it's gonna be a really good one. Uh, this series is, I would say, one of the most timely series we have ever done. Um, it's going to be on a very difficult subject. We're going to talk about what God has to say about sexuality. Now, I want you to hear me. We're not talking about sex. This is not a sex series, okay? Because all y'all get nervous. It's about sexuality. So we're, gonna, we're going there. That's why we're calling it Let's Talk About That, because we're going to talk about questions that our culture is, is wrestling with, like what does God have to say about the transgender subject? What does God have to say about same-sex attraction? And I just want to make you a promise at every campus, online, I want to make you a promise that Believer's Church, we will endeavor to never embarrass you. Uh, we, we have always determined that we are going to address what the Bible has to say about any subject. There's nothing we're going to skirt around because we really believe that God wants to help you find freedom in every area of your life, including your sexuality. So you have this promise. We are, we're not going to do browbeating. Uh, if you brought a friend, they would experience the most loving version of the truth you've ever heard presented, and they will hear the gospel. And uh, maybe this is an easier series for you to even just say, hey, here's a link. <laughs> you know, you could watch it, and if, if you feel like it would help somebody, then you can mess them or send it in a text or have a coffee and, and lead them to that resource. But I really think it's going to be a blessing. And anytime that Jesus would encounter somebody that was living in, a, in an alternative lifestyle or doing something kind of different than what the Bible teaches, he would never say shame on you. He would always say shame off of you. And then he would help them to find exactly what it is that God would want to do. So um, I just want to invite you ahead of time. Pastor Joe will do that entire series. It's going to be so good and so helpful. And today I want to jump right in. We're going to continue and actually close out this series that we are calling the new series. So pretty soon it's going to be the old series. And uh, if you haven't heard this series yet, um, I would tell you to go online to the archives and listen to all of it because it's been so good and, and so helpful. And we just feel like, yeah, we are coming out of a pretty difficult year. I think when we look back on 2020, a decade from now, we're going to be blown away at what we walked through but I really do believe we're coming out of it and we're going through it together. And so we've just been talking about how God wants to take us to some new places. And we can't go to those new places with old mindsets. And so for a few weeks now, I've had this message on my heart. And usually when I'm preparing a message, I'll know it's coming for a couple of months and I'll be kind of marinating on it. And this message in particular, I felt like uh, God showed me a few things and, and I wrote it down as fast as I heard it. And so it's kind of like hot off the press, all right? And so I, I think it's gonna really help you. And here's the title of the message today. It's New Address. If 
you're taking notes, you could write that down. New address in the subtitle is It's Moving Day. It's Moving Day. You know, Aaron and I and, and our kids, Joey and Riley, who are now 11 and nine years old, um, we have been sensing that God was wanting to do some new things in our life for probably about a year and a half. And any of you that have ever had God move you from kind of an old place to a new place, you know that usually the experience that you start to have in your prayer life with him in those times with God is this feeling of being unsettled. And it's not like a bad thing. It's just like you get kind of uncomfortable with where you are. It's kind of like one pastor said it like, it's like showering with your socks on. Like it doesn't feel right and there needs to be a change that's made. And so um, we had a lot of that in confession. Usually Aaron hears from God about two months before I do. And so uh, she is the voice of God in my life most of the time. But um, usually I catch up to her and she started telling me, hey, I feel like God might be leading us to move a little bit closer to BC Boardman. And uh, if you don't know our story, we get to serve as the campus pastors there. And it's been a lot of newness in our life this year. Uh, in July, we started as the campus pastors there. And we had been a part of BC Boardman since 2016 when we were doing monthly gatherings in Glenwood Middle School. And uh, since that time, it, it kind of, you know, escalated how many drives we were making every week. And it went from like one or two drives to like six days a week because our kids were in school there. And so we were driving about an hour every day, six days a week. Uh, to get there. So God just started dealing with us. We want you to move a little bit closer so that you can reach the city that you're called to reach and be in that community. And we had no clue that this change was coming. We had no clue we would one day be the campus pastors there. So it was such a confirmation when we were tapped on the shoulder and asked to pray about becoming the campus pastors there. And it's cool how God works that way. So listen, I've got moving on the mind. As a matter of fact, I, I got a pretty cool thing to say to you. If you, if you haven't heard, or maybe you're new here, uh, the Cam Fam over the holidays, we did a thing. We moved. And so they're gonna put a picture up there. We are now residents of Canfield, Ohio. And so since we live there, we renamed it to Camfield with an M. And uh, we're pretty excited to be there. And um, we're, we're figuring it all out. I have been a Trumbull County guy my whole life. And so to me, I've never moved in, in, to another place. I've moved to some different houses, but never to another county. And so it feels like the biggest move of my life. My wife has lived in like 50 different places and she grew up in Columbus. So she's like, you're a baby, get over it. You know, but to me, like, it's a step of faith. All right, so Mahoney County, here comes Trumbull. All right, so yeah, it's gonna be good. And so it's interesting because we were going through this whole process of moving and I love the end result of moving. Anybody that's moved knows like it's really fun to get to the new place. It's really fun to finally be unpacked and to settle in. And, you know, man, we did it right around Christmas time. So we finally settled in and then it was like perfect. It snowed on Christmas and there were all these great things. But how many of you know that like moving is a little bit stressful? And uh, actually they say it's the second most stressful thing you will ever go through in life behind the loss of a loved one. And I get it now, I really do. And, um, and moving is, is so rewarding, but it's a lot of work. And, and I just wanna talk to you about moving. And I wanna start by sharing a scripture with you. This is Deuteronomy chapter one, verse six. And uh, let's read this together. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. And really God is speaking through Moses. And he says this, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. I just wonder if maybe that's a message that God is speaking to some people at Believer's Church. Maybe it's a message he's speaking to you at home as you watch this, that you've stayed long enough in depression, that you've stayed long enough in addiction, you've stayed long enough in that old mindset. You've stayed long enough. He goes on to say, break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites and go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, not, not Agrabah. Some of y'all Aladdin fans got excited, different story. 
in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, into the land of the Canaanites, into Lebanon, and as far as the great river Euphrates. And I like this. He says, see, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to their descendants after them. What's God saying through Moses to the people of Israel? He's saying, it's moving day. You've stayed here long enough. They had been in captivity to this point 400 years, and then they had wandered through the, the wilderness for 40 years after that, and God's just saying, it's time to move forward. You've stayed here long enough. I'm taking you from where you were to a new address. Stayed here long enough. And whenever you look at your relationship with God, whenever you look at characters that we all aspire to be like in the Bible, one thing that you will find a common thread through all of their stories is that God loves to keep them in motion. He's always keeping us moving, never wants us to settle, never wants us to get stagnant in the same place. And I don't just mean geographic location. I just mean in our hearts and in our journeys and in our walk with him. If you're growing, you're moving. God is always moving us to the new place and the new thing. But here's the challenge. If you're anything like me, sometimes I feel like I have groundhog growth. You know the Groundhog Day movie, Bill Murray? You just wake up every day or every year and you just kind of feel like you're just repeating the same thing and going through the motions and trying to figure out why am I stuck doing the same thing? I wanna show you a picture. This is fascinating and it's also kind of sad. You know, I always wondered like, man, what did it look like on a map to see the path of the Israelites? And this is an actual map. This is taking what we know in scripture, the journey that they took, and get this, it was supposed to be an 11-day journey by foot, but it ended up taking them 40 years. And this is what it looked like. This looks kind of like road trips for me before I had maps on my phone. But, <laughs> but all of us, God wants to move us to a new place. It's going to require some obedience and some trust and, and following his plan step by step by step. And if you want to get to the new address, then there's some things you need to address. And so we're going to talk about that today. And here's my declaration to you. I'm just gonna say this with a little bit of faith. I'm gonna look into the camera and say it to you on YouTube and TCI and in Boardman and everywhere you are right here in Warren, it's moving day. We've stayed here long enough and God wants to move you from addiction to freedom and he wants to move you from insecurity to a new identity in Christ. He wants to move you from depression and anxiety to peace. It's moving day. And so I wanna just talk about how we can get from here to there. What does that look like? What does God want us to do? And here's the challenge. I want to read you a quote. This is from D.A. Carson. Anytime you hear somebody with their first two initials abbreviated, they're pretty smart. That's usually what I've found. But uh, he's, he's a theologian out of uh, the Dallas Seminary. And it's wordy, but I love what he says. Let's read this together. Please, our people, do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness or prayer or obedience to Scripture faith and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and we call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism, been there. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Now, let me simplify that for you. We don't drift towards God, we move towards him. You will never accidentally get to the new address. It's a decision. 
We have to live life in motion, one step at a time, one daily decision after the other to follow him. We don't drift towards God, we move towards God. So I wanna just give you four helpful steps that I think if you can do this in your move, going from the old address to the new, you're gonna end up in the right place. Here's number one. Are you writing this down in Boardman? I can see you over there. Number one, if you wanna get to the new address, first you gotta clean house. I don't know about you, but I never knew how much junk we had until we had to move all of our junk. And it accumulates fast, it just does. And it's just such a painstaking process, isn't it? You start to get excited because you're gonna list your house and you have an idea of where you're headed and you're starting to look at the new places and the new area. But the first thing you have to do is you have to start going from room to room go into the storage rooms, go into the attic, go into the basement, the closets, the junk drawer, like we all have a junk drawer, right? And you just go from place to place and you start to ask yourself the question, do I need this where I'm going? Sometimes we try to take our old stuff to the new place and it's not meant to be there anymore. I just wanna ask you, what's, what's the stuff that doesn't belong in your life anymore? What's God asking you to clean house with? Joshua 3, 5, such a powerful scripture. I'm gonna read two of these scriptures from Joshua as he's helping the Israelites. Remember, he's the new generation. After Moses was not able to go to the promised land because of disobedience, Joshua is charged with leading them finally into God's promises. This is Joshua 3, 5. He told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I love that it says consecrate yourself and then tomorrow he'll do amazing things among you because the secret to God moving tomorrow is you and I moving today. It's you and I consecrating ourselves and setting ourselves apart and just saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm willing to clean house to get to the new address. Here's a similar scripture, Joshua speaking again, and really it's God speaking to Joshua. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord The God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord, and you'll never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. So maybe we could say, if we wanna make a move, first we have to be willing to remove some things from our life. We need to be willing to say, God, anything is fair game. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something I'm watching on media. Maybe it's a mindset, an addiction, whatever it is. But God, I want you to purify me. Now, there's a store that I find myself in more than I care to admit. I'm there every time I need an odd or an end, anything at all, it's Dollar General. Anybody else care to admit that in the house of God, bring a little honesty? Anybody wanna admit that you've ever fed your family dinner from Dollar General? I've done it a few more times than I care to admit. Good old ramen noodle and peanut butter and jelly. You know what's interesting? Every time I walk into Dollar General, I can't escape this. There are these different columns of carts that you can get. Now, there's one column for the carts that says not ready, and it's in red. It's a red sign. Then there's another column, and what does it say? It says ready for use, and it's green. And man, I just thought that was so fascinating. God was just teaching me as I was going through Dollar General getting all this junk food, and he was just showing me that there's a very big difference between the red column and the green column because Really, the only thing separating the two is the purification process. It's, it's which 
which container, which cart, which vessel has been purified and ready to use. And it reminded me of 2 Timothy 2.21. This isn't in your notes on the app or on the screen, but just follow along with me. 2 Timothy 2.21. So if anyone cleanses himself of what is unfit, he will be a vessel for honor. Think shopping cart, sanctified and useful to the master and prepared for every good work. That's God's plan for you and for me. He wants to prepare you for every good work. He wants to do something big through your life, but first you gotta clean house. First we have to purify ourselves, and then God will do great things among us. Now here's probably my least favorite part of the whole process of moving. After the buyers have accepted your offer and you know you are headed to the new place, there's still one very important thing that happens during the closing process. It's so nerve wracking. What's it called? The inspection. And as you get ready for that inspection, you start to see your house and your life through the lens of the inspector. And everywhere you go, you start, there were things you walked by for three years and you never cared about them, but all of a sudden it's like, no, I gotta fix that, I gotta clean that. The inspector's coming. Why? Because the inspector is the only opinion that matters. And you cannot get to the new address until you make sure that you have everything ready for the inspector to see it. And I was just thinking about this. One day we will stand before God and he will give an inspection of our life. And he will take a look at the little things and the big things, the things that we didn't think mattered and the things that mattered a whole lot. And he's gonna hopefully say, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's, it's because his opinion is the only one that matters. And you will not stand next to your friend on judgment day. You won't answer for their stuff. They won't answer for you. You'll just answer for what you did with what you had here on this earth. Why? Because his opinion is the only one that matters. So the, the thing we need to commit to is to live ready and to clean house every chance we get. Psalm 139, 23, examine me, God. Or another way to say it would be inspect me. Know my mind, test me, and know my thoughts. First thing we gotta do is clean house. All right, here's number two. If you wanna get to the new address, you gotta move forward. Or maybe another way to say it is don't look back. Gotta move forward. Because it's really tough to look forward if you're looking back. It's tough to move to the new place when you're looking back, right? And here's the lie that our enemy, and oftentimes we love to tell ourselves, we love to say and think that back is better. Oh man, what's behind me is better than what's in front of me. It's the oldest trick in the book, really. Let's pick up in this same story. It's Exodus Chapter 16, verse one, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of sin. Man, sometimes the Bible's just like begging you to preach something, you know, like sin is definitely a desert. It's a wilderness. It's, it's something that you can get stuck wandering in and just going in circles in a cycle of sin. Some of us are just stuck in a pattern of sin and we don't know how to get free. And it's because sin is a desert and the wages of sin are death. For some of us during the fast, sin was a desert, <laughs> like, Death by chocolate. Anyways, all right, so let's keep reading. Which is between Elim and Sinai. And on the 15th day, I want you to think about this. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, they'd been enslaved for 400 years, in captivity for 400 years. None of them have ever experienced freedom. They've been born into slavery, born into captivity. And a month in, they start talking like this. They start looking back. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly. 
And there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. Now, can you see the comedy in this? Like, yeah, they might've had great food there. They might've had consistent meals, but their life didn't belong to them. And I don't care if I have a Michelin five-star chef preparing me the most amazing meals in the world. If my life doesn't belong to me and I'm in captivity, that meal ain't worth it. Can I get an amen? Like, not where I want to be. But it's almost like we get spiritual Stockholm syndrome. We just fall in love with our captivity. We just kind of feel safer there because there's familiarity there. Maybe there's great things in front of us, but we're stuck looking back. We're called to Canaan, but we're looking back at captivity. And I just wonder, young lady, could it be that God's saying, hey, you're called to better. I've got promises for you. There's a man of God, but you gotta stop looking back. You gotta say, boy, bye. You gotta say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my number go. You know what I'm saying? Like just, I don't know, maybe that's a word for somebody. Man of God, you're called to live a life of purity, but you'll never get there if you're looking back. It's changing our focus. Here's what I've noticed. When, when we look at Egypt, we start to look like Egypt. This happened with the Israelites. It's kind of crazy, but they're stopped waiting for Moses. Remember, he goes up to hear a word from God to receive the Ten Commandments and the law. And it says, when Moses was long and coming down the mountain, they're waiting about 40 days. They start to get antsy and they start to look back. And they come to Moses' brother, Aaron, who was the priest, and they say, hey, we want you to take our gold and our jewelry and and melt it down, and we want you to make an idol that can go before us. Make us a God that can do something for us. And I always wondered, why did they make it a golden calf? That's the shape, the figure that they made to worship. And it's interesting because the more you study it, you start to see that really what they were doing is they were mimicking what they had seen in captivity. Because in captivity, there was this God. He was the bull God. That's fitting. <laughs> this God was bull, right? Like, his name was Apis. And they just started looking back at Egypt so much that they began to look like Egypt. Do we do that sometimes in the world that we're called to rescue? We just look so much like the world because we're constantly looking at the world and the world is supposed to be looking at us and saying, I want what they have. Genesis 13, 12, the same thing happens with a guy named Lot. Abram, who later becomes Abraham, he lived in the land of Canaan. Listen, this will preach, but Lot settled. He settled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. I don't think most of us wake up wanting to sin, wanting to do the opposite of what God wants for us, wanting to look back. No, we just, we get close enough to sin to observe it. We just set our sights on sin city. We just put our focus on what should be behind us. And eventually what happens? We start living in sin. It's the small stuff. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to have an affair on my wife. No, what happens? It's the little things. It's that little message on Facebook Messenger from that old fling in high school. They're just talking nice to you and they're giving you some attention and you've been going through some tough things in your marriage. And before you know, that turns into a coffee. And before you know, you end up in a place you never thought you would be. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to ruin my job and ruin my life and my business because of embezzlement. It's never been a goal that we've set out to do. But what happens is it's the small things. It's the small compromises along the way. It's not claiming everything on our tax statement year after year and, and our morals begin to erode and small things become big things. It's looking back. Genesis 19, 26, this is how the story ends. 
They've lived so long with their tents facing Sodom that now they live in Sodom. Now they're living in sin. And so God, through the angels, he says, I'm about to destroy this city. And there's one thing I want you to know, just whatever you do, don't look back. But Lot's wife looked back. Here's what happened. She became a pillar of salt. Now, Pastor Joe preached an incredible message at our Dream Team retreat. One of the things that he preached about is how we're called to be salt and light. And salt is a change agent and it preserves things and it enhances things and it brings out the taste in things. And this is what we're called to be. And so many of us are called to be salt and light, but we're looking back. So we're kind of just frozen and stuck and the world needs what we have, but we can't get it to them because we're so focused on what's behind us. This is why Paul said, there's one thing I do, not 10 things I do. There's one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. I look forward to what God has in front of me. Now, I want you to hear this. This is important. Every campus online. Sometimes, sometimes the place we're moving from is bad. It's a toxic behavior or a toxic trait. But here's the tricky thing. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good. But a good thing that's not a God thing becomes a bad thing. And sometimes what was good for us yesterday in the season that God had us in isn't good for us today or tomorrow. And you'd see this in Jesus' ministry all the time. He would call people to come follow him and sometimes they would give him excuses. So in Luke, one, one person said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. We agree, that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. Another person said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Another good thing. But look at what Jesus said. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back and is fit for my kingdom. And some of us are looking back at what God once did and he's saying, man, I wanna do a new thing in your life. And can I just put your fears to rest? Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we don't appreciate and value how God moved in our life. We should always be looking back to praise. Every blessing he pours out, I'll turn back to praise, right? I mean, that's such a truth. And I love looking back at the early memories of my marriage. I love looking back at our first house. It was hardly a house, really. We lived in a sixplex on Tibbetswick and Girard, and it was kind of a dump. And uh, we had really one bedroom, a kitchenette, a half bath, and that was it. We didn't even have doors on the inside of our house. I'm not kidding, because if you opened a door, it would take up too much space in the room. So we had curtains that would open and close. I think our rent was 375. Come on, Jesus. That was a good day. I'd move back there right now in a heartbeat. But anyways, no looking back. No, but you know what's interesting? That house was beautiful for the season that we were in when we just got married. It was just what we needed. But guess what? As soon as we got pregnant with Joey, you know what my wife started saying? We have stayed here long enough. It's moving day. It's time to find a new address. Why? Because this house can't hold us anymore. And what was good for yesterday isn't right for today. And I just think that's a word for some of us that God might wanna be doing some new things. And guess what? The new house costs a lot more. If you wanna to get to the new place in God, it's gonna come at a price. It's gonna come at a cost, but it's so worth it. God took us to a land of wide open spaces. We had a big backyard and we had all kinds of space inside of the house to grow because it was moving day. So don't look back. Now I wanna, I wanna poll the audience I have a little bit of a confession to make. There is a show and a network that I kind of 
have as a guilty pleasure. I don't know if anybody else is with me on this. Does anybody else like the TLC network? Okay, awesome. One person, really relatable analogy. I'm assuming Boardman, all of you guys raise your hands. Okay, awesome. So I have, I have some guilty pleasures. One of them is Dr. Pimple Popper. Anybody? Come on. Come on. That's good right there. Oh man, my wife has like, she has banned that in our home. But whenever she's gone, me and Riley and Joey watch it all the time. All right. So some of y'all watching that, you need healing at the end of the service. I love it. I don't even want to be healed. I, I love it so much. All the popping those cysts and that stuff comes out. All right. Anyways, <laughs> I went there. I'm just trying to wake you up on Sunday morning. How, how about, you know, I like my 600 pound life. And then here's my favorite hoarders, hoarders. You ever, you ever ate a bag of potato chips while watching hoarders? That's a, that's an all time low. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying I may or may not have done that at one point. You know why I like hoarders? Because you can watch where they were and you can watch the journey to where they're going. There's such a transformation. And without fail, it's always kind of the same exact challenge. It's never that they just like love stuff. It's that they have like maybe emotional trauma or baggage in, in their rearview mirror that they never dealt with. And so they just accumulate things. They're kind of just stuck in yesterday. And it's tragic because so often they are so focused on yesterday and holding on to the things that were important and that did matter that they're actually missing out on the moment in front of them. And they've got all the trophies from when their kids were in baseball and trophies from 50 other people's kids. And they got newspapers, papers stacked a mile high, but then their kids can't even fit in the house. Their grandkids can't even play in the house that they live in right now. And years ago, God just started showing me in my life and in the church, he said, I think I got some holy hoarders in the house of God. And we love so much what God did yesterday. We love looking back, but we're missing out on what he wants to do. It's Isaiah, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that hangs out in those houses where they accumulate the junk. There's almost always pests. There's almost always something that's, that's destroying the environment. And that can happen if we keep looking back long enough. All right, as if I haven't proved the point, I just wanna show you one more picture, all right? This is my favorite character in, in comedy. Anybody, anybody a fan of the movie Napoleon Dynamite? This is Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico was famously stuck in 1982. He dressed like 1982. He talked like 1982. He's famously quoted as saying, if coach would have put me in that game, we would have made state and I'd be soaking it up in a hot tub with my soulmate. You know, like that was him. He just lived in the past. He literally tried to build a time machine to go back to the past. Don't have an Uncle Rico relationship with God. Let's get excited about where he's taking us, right? All right. Here's number three. We're, we're drawn to a close. I wanted to camp out on that one especially. But number three is this. If you want to get to the new address, you got to follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I've ever had a harder season in my life, but can I tell you something? I have never had a season in my life where I was closer to the Holy Spirit. Because every step of the way, I encounter something and I've never been there before. And I'm like, God, I just need some wisdom right now. And what's the promise he makes us? He says, hey, if you lack wisdom, just ask me and I'll give it generously to anybody who asks. So Aaron and I have asked over and over and over again, give us wisdom. The pastors here at church, the leaders, the dream team leaders, everyone here, we've just been asking God, what's the next move? What are you wanting to do? Where are you wanting to take us? Yesterday was great, but we believe the best is in front of us, not behind us. You gotta follow the Holy Spirit to get there. 
So we're talking about the Israelites. This is Joshua chapter three. We've been camped out here. Here's what he said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, which would have been the presence of God, literally it contained the presence of God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to what? To move out from your positions and to follow it. We've got to follow the spirit of God. And I like this. It says, then you'll know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And so if you've got some unknowns in your future, welcome to the club. Everybody does. But the beauty of it is follow the presence of God. You can never be guilty of praying too much. You can never be guilty of worshiping too much. I would just challenge you and encourage you. Build it into your everyday life. When you're going to work and you've never been this way before and you don't know how you're gonna fit in at this new job, you don't know if there's even gonna be a job next month, follow the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you to the right place at the right time. He'll give you favor with your employer. He'll give you favor with the next job. When you're trying to figure out who I'm supposed to marry, am I supposed to date this person or date that person? Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the word of God. Get in God's presence and he'll show you exactly where to go because the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in what? In all truth. Follow the Holy Spirit. Here's the fourth and final one. We gotta do it together. If we wanna move to the new address, we've gotta do it together. You wanna know the quickest way to know who your real friends are? Ask them to help you move. We've all got the text, hey, what are you doing from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday? <laughs> That's the worst way to ask it, by the way. Don't do that. It's mean. Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, funny you should mention it. Hey, do you still have that truck that, that you had before? <laughs> and then, like, we pretend, like, if we throw in some little Caesars that it makes it all better, you know, like, what if I told you I'd give you a slice of pizza? No, but it's, those are true friends. And as we got everything ready and and we kind of stacked these boxes, I'm talking like a mile high, looked at all of our furniture, it became incredibly apparent that we could not move to the new place alone. And I had friends, some of them, uh, they were just good and handy, like my friend Matt in the front row. Uh, I had something, of course, everything breaks like the week you're gonna have the inspector come. And so he, he came over and helped me nail a few things to the wall and fixed it like that. I couldn't have done that on my own. And then I had a bunch of friends that had some vehicles that could help us load some things. And man, I, I just wanna thank every person that helped us move the, the whole process. Some, some of the people were more like the organizers. And so they came to our house after and helped Aaron put everything nice. And man, it just, we could have never done it on our own. So if you want to get from where you were to where you need to be, you got to have some friends to do it with you. You got to do it together. And this is where I want to end. I just want to encourage you. Don't play alone. Don't play alone. You know, I was playing video games with my son, Joey, and we were playing the game Halo. And I hadn't played Halo since the original Xbox. Okay. I'm old. And so we were playing, we were playing Halo together and um, I didn't, I was just not very good. And so he was explaining to me how it works and we were squatted up. So we were fighting this battle against these alien invaders or whatever it was. And it was interesting because really the key to, to winning the level was to stay together because whenever one of us would die, which I'm gonna be honest, it was always me. I don't think Joey died one time. Whenever one of us would go down, if the other players were close enough to us, they could come up to us and they could regenerate us. You'd come and you'd hold the button in and then we would come back to life when we would fall. We did it over and over again. I think Joey regenerated me like 18 times. But it reminded me of Ecclesiastes 4.10. Listen to this. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Some of us have been trying to do life on our own and we're wondering why we're not getting where God has called us to go. 
is because you're playing alone. The more alone you are, the less alive you are. And we're heading into this Connect Group weekend. And for some of us, it would just be so easy to let this semester pass by. There's all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't connect or we don't want to connect. It's not gonna be the easiest semester to connect with people. We're living in a pandemic after all. The world's a little bit crazy, but it might be the most important one you've ever participated in. Some of us are thinking, oh, I don't really need anybody to pick me up. I'm doing great right now. Well, here's the good news. That means that you're standing up so you can pick somebody up. And somebody that's fallen, you're the person that's gonna help them get where they need to go. You know, in a church like this, it could be in a church of 100 or a church of 5,000. The beauty of a church family is that all of us are in different places. And so this week, I'm, I'm telling you how my week looked. I received several texts or I saw on Facebook that several of the BC family welcomed new kids into the world. And it was beautiful. But some of our family also lost loved ones. And some of our families have gotten bad diagnosis and some of our families are walking through the most difficult challenge. You know what's crazy? Sometimes they're sitting in the same row and that's the beauty of doing life together. Don't play alone because God puts us together to go on this journey so we can get from where we are to where he wants us to go. We're gonna have a moment of prayer here and before we do that, I kind of just wanna, wanna give you some action steps. And so if you're watching at every campus at Boardman and online at TCI right here in Warren, I want, I want you to just begin to ask God, what are the areas that he's asking me to clean up? Maybe he's asking me to clean my contacts out. Maybe I need to block collar. Maybe I need to say goodbye to some relationships in the rearview mirror. Maybe, maybe it's an addictive behavior. It's a way of thinking. Maybe it's a good thing that's not a God thing. It's a bad thing but how is he asking me to clean house? How is he asking me to purify myself so I can be a vessel of honor, ready for use wherever the master needs me to be? Because it's moving day and I've stayed here long enough. You know, I talk to people so often and they'll tell me, Joe, I will do this when this happens. Sometimes I talk to people and they'll tell me, yeah, Joe, when, when my schedule clears up, then I'll come follow Jesus. Then I'll get back into church. My, my job's just keeping me away right now. Sometimes I watch people get blessed by God with a good job, and then they tell me that job is standing in their way of being in God's house, to which I say, why would God bless you right out of the will of God? Like, I don't know if that's God. Maybe it would be better to earn a little bit less and be in God's house and let him stretch the rest to go further. Whatever it is, but just saying, God, even if it's a good thing, but it's not a God thing, then it's a bad thing. Maybe some of us have a really great person in our life, but they don't love Jesus and Jesus is not first in their life. And so our life therefore is out of alignment. We're starting to look like what God's redeemed us from and rescued us from. And today it's just time to say, I'm cutting, I'm cutting off. I'm, it's a clean break. God's got the right person in my future if I can just let go of the past. Now have you bow your heads and close your eyes and here's what I wanna encourage you to do. We're about to head out to the lobbies in each campus. And um, if you're online, I would, I would encourage you, there are virtual groups that are happening that are gonna be amazing for those who can't come in person right now. Any of you can, just, you can do this right now. You can text TOGETHER to the number on the screen. Just text TOGETHER to the number on the screen and they'll send you a link with all the groups. But I'm just gonna challenge you. Don't do life alone. Take the step, make a connection. Some of the people that I am closest to today, it started out in a connect group. 
honestly, by the end of every semester every year, there are people that I start out with at the beginning of the semester and I don't know them from Adam. And by the end of the semester, I literally ask myself, how did I ever not know them? How were they ever not a part of my life? And there's always more room in the family of God. God's gonna bring people to help you discover your purpose. So I wanna invite you to do something everywhere. Whoever's listening within the sound of my voice, if you cannot remember a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, I am making you first. Not Jesus, I'm gonna start going to church more or I'm gonna start you know, doing more religious activities. I'm gonna be confirmed or baptized or have my first communion. Those are all fine. Those are all great things. But really the only thing that matters at the end of the day is do I know Jesus? It's not religious activities. It's a relationship with him. He wants to know you personally. It's a personal God, but we have to give him an invitation. We have to make our move. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So if you can't remember a moment in your life where you invited Jesus into the story, where you said, Jesus, take the wheel. You can sit in the driver's seat. You're calling the shots from here on out. I wanna invite you to do that. Maybe you've already prayed that prayer. You've already made that decision, but now it's time to come back. It's, it's been a minute and you're just making a decision to come back to Jesus. Wherever you fall in that equation, I know there are hundreds and thousands of people really that are watching right now and they would love to pray with you. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. The Bible says, if you believe this in your heart and say it with your mouth, you'll be saved. You can know that you're on your way to a place called heaven, but here's the coolest part. You can have heaven come into your here and now. Can you repeat this after me? Say, dear God, at every campus, repeat this after me. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the price he paid for me. Thank you that he took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and he carried it for me. He took the punishment and paid the price for my sin so I could have new life. So today I say, Jesus, you are my savior. You are my Lord. I turn away from what's behind me. I'm not looking back. I am a Christian and I won't be perfect, but every day I'll take a step in Jesus name. Amen. Now heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. Real quick, the Bible is so clear on this. It says, if one person prays this prayer anywhere in the world that all of heaven literally throws a party, they're going nuts, they're excited for you. And so I don't have the ability to know who prayed that prayer unless you tell me. And so I'm not gonna have you stand or get out of your seat or anything like that, but I would love to put a Bible in your hand so everyone else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed at Boardman and Warren, TCI, online. But if that was you and you say, Joe, today I'm either coming back to Jesus and I made a decision to recommit to follow him or I prayed that prayer for the first time all over the room. Just wave at me. I'm just gonna look around the room. Yeah, I see that hand, I'm proud of you. If you, raise, if you raise it once, can you just raise it again? Just give our host team a chance to give you a Bible. Boardman, they're doing the same thing there. Just wave at me. You say, I, I prayed that prayer. Coming back to Jesus, I'm giving him my life. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Listen, if you prayed that prayer online, you can text the word believe to the number that pops up on the screen for you. And we would love to connect with you and we'll send you a Bible absolutely free in the mail. We just care that much. It's a roadmap in your relationship with God. 
Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.